who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Well, this is embarrassing. We were doing the Downtown Rider Jam podcast for quite some time. Great guests, great audience. And then I got busy and started doing a shit job keeping up with the podcast. Well, that is all about to change. We have three or four in the can. These interviews are from about 18 months ago. Several that I'm going to be releasing in the next few days. And then, thanks to my wonderful graduate assistant, Elise Lockwood, who is a great writer in her own aspect. She does playwriting. She's helped me begin to line up interviews with lots of great new writers here in the Indianapolis area and many from outside the area. So we will be revising and relaunching the Downtown Writer Jam podcast. Up today, Carrie McElroy, who competed in the downtown writer's jam i think volume three she was our first and only graphic novelist to ever be in the reading and she did great she was amazing she was amazing and her interview we really talk a whole lot about creating and writing for yourself she's built this graphic novel on her own she doesn't have a publisher she does everything by herself um, and she's grown this from the grassroots. She didn't sit around and wait for somebody to, to help her begin this. She had something to say and just started to work on it. So we're very, very excited to finally, finally unleash this on the world. And over the next few months, we will be releasing Downtown Writers Jam podcasts every few weeks. I tell you there's going to be a schedule, but at this point, you don't fucking believe me. I don't believe myself. But I do know we have seven in the can, and we are be keep, we're continuing to move forward. 
Um, but right now, what I need you to do is sit back and relax and listen to my conversation with Carrie McElroy. Um, it's called Regarding Dandelions, um, and it is set in Indianapolis. Um, and rather than being um, like a superhero sort of um, graphic novel, it's more uh, what's called slice of life. So it's uh, just real people dealing with real issues um, here in the city. So are you from here? Uh, not originally, but long enough that it kind of counts. So where I were think. you born? Ohio. Okay, what we're at. Um, do you know Oberlin? Yeah. Yeah, Oberlin College from, area. Yeah, I'm from Cincinnati. Oh, well, there you go. So were you, what, what did your parents do? Um, my dad was an air traffic controller, and my mom kind of tried on different jobs, but mostly she was like a stay-at-home yeah. mom, which was a huge job, of course, with yeah. two kids. So <laughs> um, so you lived at so, – Oberlin's small, yeah? Yeah. I, I actually don't remember much about it because I moved – to Indiana when I was seven, so uh-huh. it's like that whole Ohio time of my life was like, eh, I know it happened, yeah. but... But you guys were townies. Like, you lived in a college town, but you were... <laughs> Too young to know anything about <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> uh, and your parents didn't work at the university. No, no, no. Um, and so you moved to Indiana, where at? To Indianapolis? Uh, no, to Danville, so just okay. west of Indy. Yeah, so small town. So um, you moved from small town to small town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was no big city. Now... What were you like as a kid? Like, were you drawing? So weird. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was drawing all the time, um, always just working on little projects. I was constantly busy, and my mom really encouraged that. Like, that was the cool thing about her, um, well, and my dad. They both uh, are artists in their own right. Like, my dad's a woodworker. Um, he's actually a lot like Ron Swanson, <laughs> which is amazing. When, when Parks and Rec came out, I was like, who has been following my dad around? <laughs> It, to create this character, but um, yeah, so he's got that, and then um, my mom is um, like she's really into jewelry making. Um, she she's one of those people who can do anything, which yeah. is really annoying. But um, so they both really did they do the craft fair circuit? They did. It was so <laughs> yeah. weird. People don't, like you either know about the craft fair circuit or you don't, right? Like yeah. there are these all these little. There's a big one um, down in Cincinnati actually, where people come from all over the place. <sighs> Um, yes. At like Coney Island, and it's this huge like jewelry and wood and painting, like everything. Yeah, it's totally amazing. So they did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, not it wasn't like super dedicated. It was kind of one of those things where like they did it for a couple years, and then it was like, eh, we're done with this phase now. Yeah. So, but I remember being so bored at those things. Like uh, they were so great, but you know, after you made a few laps, it's like. Yeah. Just sit here. You I can guess. only see like so many blue earrings before you're like, I feel exactly. like you all are making the same earring. Yeah, what's what's happening here? Right. I, I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, and so um so your dad did your dad have a shop? Did he have like a like the garage shop or a shed shop? Uh in the garage, yeah. Um he actually once uh once my sister and I were out of the house, he finally got his dream of well, you know, having his kids out of the house, but right. also like Not having he to pay for you anymore. Yeah, that which was, was actually awesome. the dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but he got to build like this huge workshop um, and like standalone separate from the house. And my mom called me one day while he was in the middle of building it. And she was like, Carrie, it's bigger than the house. It's actually taller than the house and it's in the front yard. I don't know what to do. So he built his shop in the front yard. In the front yard. That is a total like <laughs> hillbilly. That's not even hillbilly. That's like. That borders on a little white trashy. I know. Right? Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I didn't want to go there, but like, we're, we're of those people. So I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah. Who builds their shit in the front yard, right? Like, that's crazy. These guys. Right. Yep. Uh, to announce, like, I am no longer raising daughters. And it's great. The wood shop <laughs> is open. So what does your sister do? Uh, she is actually a pastor. Okay. Yeah. Um, but she's also, um, like, you know, the whole family has the art thing going for them. So she'll, you know, she has this um, job as as a pastor, and I never saw that as something that dealt with creativity a lot, um, but I was so wrong. Like, seeing how she um, works with the people and the different ideas and projects she comes up with, it's really amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. So you guys were all kind of doing tinkery art yeah. stuff. Yeah. So there was no, like, weirdness at the house. They, Your parents were like... Do more, more exactly. Of this. So it wasn't until you know I got into school that it's like, oh, everybody doesn't do this, <laughs> right? You so. had your uh, notebook full of like drawings and yeah. stuff, like look, and nobody was like, nobody was like, oh, that's amazing. We're gonna put it on the refrigerator. <laughs> no, it's like you're weird, right? Yeah, you get to sit in the corner by yourself, <laughs> exactly. Um, so were you telling stories back then, or were you just kind of were you doing that like tracing, drawing, like? Gosh, um, I know I made up stories uh, back then. Uh, like both lying and creative <laughs> writing, um, but I I can't really pinpoint any. You just did it. I just did it. Yeah, yeah it was just something we did. Did you know that was a thing you wanted to do with your life? I like when did you have that so moment? Long. Really? Oh my gosh! Yeah, like I went to school um, forever because I kept changing majors because I kept thinking there has got to be a grown up job that I can do. Or like a real person job, <laughs> and finally it hit me. It's like, nope, I got nothing going for me. Yeah. I got to go with this. So yeah. I tell my students all the time, like, if you have a plan B, you're not a writer. Yeah, like, because if you can do anything other than this, why would you choose yeah, this? It's fucking terrible, right? <laughs> yes. Like, it's lonely. You don't make any money. Everybody thinks they can do it because they know the alphabet. Like, exactly. It's really, it's pretty. It's particularly awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, where do you go to? Where do you go to high school at? Um, I went to Danville. Okay, and so were you, did you do a lot of, like, did you work the newspaper, yearbook, did you do any of that stuff, or were you, like, um, in the little art, you hung out with the art kids? I, I mostly hung out with the art kids. Like, I was really into, uh, like, the drama club, uh -huh. um, and I tried to do the newspaper, but it was soul-crushing. It was just, it it destroyed me. It, <laughs> it was terrible. Um, like, there were, there were some kids who totally got it, and they were, like, you know, the little mini journalists, and... Yeah. I was not cut out to be a journalist because I don't press hard for the answers. It's like, oh, you don't want to talk about it? Okay. Yeah. You know, move along. <laughs> I'll make something up. Yeah, here's the thing that I drew. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look at this picture. Yeah. Is that like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Your yeah. own Rorschach test of <laughs> yes. like, I'm just going to draw things and then you point out the thing that happened. What speaks to you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, where'd you go to college at? Um, I went to the first time, <laughs> the first time, <laughs> the first time was Olivet Nazarene University, um, just south of Chicago. Uh -huh. And what did you go there for? Oh, to get away. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. They, it was, they gave me the most money. Uh -huh. So I, I went. Where what the were you studying? Was. 
Um, I start. Oh man. Uh, so this is a journey. We're about oh, to go gosh. on a journey. Yeah, yeah it was all all Your over college the years are a journey. So yes. you started in psychology. Uh, no, that was a lie, a- an accidental lie. Yeah. Um, uh, religion and philosophy was uh-huh. first, which I don't know how I thought that was a real person job because <laughs> it's not. Right. Um, then no. <laughs> it is not. Um, then psychology, mm-hmm. and then I think there was something else, and then back to psychology, and then. So the root of why things happen is like that is a theme. Yeah, definitely. Like this is a, like trying to understand the meanings behind action. Oh my gosh, I am so glad you said that because you are making me sound smart. <laughs> and that is awesome. <laughs> but no, like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I never saw it that way. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, so then I left Olivet's. Uh, Let's start with why do you never? Why did you never see it that way? I mean, uh, don't you sort of see those things as like art and religion and philosophy and psychology as all sort of trying to make sense of the chaos? Well, when you put it that way, yeah. <laughs> but no, like, I, I honestly, I look back at college as such a shameful time <laughs> like, that I don't, I try not to dwell on it too much. Uh-huh. So I've never given it the thought required. Uh-huh. So, yeah, but that's really interesting. Because what do you try to, I mean, you just said that you, you're writing or you're the graphic novel stuff, because you do both the drawing and the story. Yeah. Um, it's slice of life. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you are trying to dissect and understand like moments. Yeah. And not necessarily they don't have endings. They are moments are moments and they have the meaning within that and you sort of construct yeah. that, right? I- exactly. And I one thing that I try to incorporate into that um whole capturing life as it stands is um, catching the pauses, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of unusual for graphic novels because, you know, <laughs> it's just action all the right. time. Any storytelling, really. Like, well, yeah. And here's the nothing. Yes, exactly. It's the Zen coda of yeah. graphic novel. So, so what does that mean? What is, a, what is a thing that's not moving? What is that in your world? What does that look like? Like the pause? Yeah. Or, um, well, you know, I don't know how to describe this. It's just a brief moment where like a panel or two or even three where the characters don't even know what's happening like they're trying to figure out what's going through their own minds and not commu- not being able to communicate it so it it relies a lot on expression and posture which if i was a better artist that would be way better but that's what i'm going for yeah. so one might say that has deep roots in psychology yeah <laughs> it's true because when um there is uh you know the uh, I don't like Malcolm Gladwell's um, stuff for a lot of reasons, but oh, interesting. Um, yeah, the psych- scientists don't like him because he mischaracterizes the science all the okay. time. Like okay, he, and he has said like I'm less concerned about getting the science right, more about the story, right? So that's right. a little bit disturbing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one of the things that he talked about in um, uh, Blink, which is a, it's a really fascinating book, is there are FBI guys who are trained and they can tell. When you're lying based on involuntary movements that your body makes. Okay, yeah. And so they're trained to recognize those. But now they have facial recognition that will tell, like, the new lie detectors are, you can't stop it from happening. And so I'm really fascinated by the ways in which the body, which is like as a writer, that doesn't really come out on the page. You can't be like, and then their eye flickered. (laughs) Right? Like, because that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. You'd be like, what the fuck is that? What's happening? But to capture the stillness in the in the images, mm-hmm. I think would be far. I mean, it's that medium is sort of made for that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's actually not made for a lot of dialogue. Yeah, and 
um, when I first started reading comic books, like I would kind of um, just skim through and just do the reading. And I realized, you know, how much I was missing. Like I was, I was actually reading comic books wrong. How do you do that? But I pulled it off. Yeah. I, I did it wrong. But once I uh, fully grasped everything that was happening and how it all worked together, it was like, oh, this is beautiful. Yeah. It's interesting because as a writer, I have a really hard time looking at the like yes i'm not a cinematographer and that's mm-hmm. really cinematography and like s- single pane you have to yeah yeah um and i showed my wife the watchman my uh-huh. wife was a ballet dancer right so like i've been introducing her to like i'm like let's start with the <laughs> most important one like in the genre right that i live in and then we'll move to like the dark knight returns and we'll sort of <laughs> go through brad's canon um and she's exactly the opposite like, she r- looks at a page for, like, ten minutes. Oh, wow. Like, she's, like, because she's a visual artist. Right. So, for her, she's taking in. It's really fascinating it, to have somebody in their mid-30s who had never looked at that. Yeah. See an iconic book for which I just, like, flip through. Like, yeah. I wanted to see what Rorschach is doing. Exactly. Right? Like, I'm like, fuck everybody else. Like, <laughs> the big blue dude and Rorschach. That seems to be what this is about. Agreed. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, like, everything else is just subterfuge and like yeah. weird sort of rapey superheroes. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Um, but it it just it was fascinating to me to watch her um experience that mm-hmm. because it's just a different way. Yeah. Do you find that most people do that with your stuff, or oh. is that really tied to like writers read things a certain way? Do you think that people that ink and do the stuff, read comics different, and read novel graphic novels different? I'm guessing. Like, it's all about where you're coming from, you know? I, but you don't have any, like... I don't have any special insight, no. It's you haven't talked to people, and you're like, shit, didn't you look at this thing? Yeah, what's wrong with you? No. No, I, I, I actually haven't had that experience. Yeah. So you just do your thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to college. Okay. So you're at your first school, and you stay at that first school, but you're bouncing between majors. Mm-hmm. Are you still doing the drama thing? Are you still looking at, like, are you still drawing and doing your stuff? Or do you kind of try to be an adult? Um, a little bit of both. Like, I um, really, Olivet wasn't a great fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. You I seem like an art school girl. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that ma- that would have made a lot more sense <laughs> yeah, for me, like but <laughs> I wasn't allowed to, so it was like... Um, Why not? Well, my parents basically said, you know, our money is going to a Christian university, whether you do or not is up to you, gotcha. so it's like, oh. So art was fine in the house. Yeah, well, I could have studied art at Olivet, but that just seemed like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, um Oh, I feel terrible. I'm, like, trashing all of that. But, you know, it, it just wasn't a fit. Yeah. We didn't make sense together. So I – but I tried really hard to combat that by, like, you know, throwing myself in, getting involved. Yeah. And, um, but it, I'm not good at that. Like, I'm a hermit at heart. Yeah, you also don't seem like a joiner. Yeah, no. I mean, I know I've only just met you, but you don't strike me as the – No. Yeah, but like, I tried so hard. That's yeah. the thing. Um, I mean, you're very happy and smiling. Like, most people like me who don't go out don't – have that like you seem like a very happy person it's borderline unhinged yeah okay so that's what it is like the laughing is more like the joker and less yeah like you should be concerned (laughs) okay (laughs) we'll keep that in mind no but it's so i tried i got into um a troupe like a a traveling drama group Uh um like comedy improv no oh my gosh improv would be like my worst nightmare it seems like that would be yeah 
Actually, being on stage seems like was not a thing that you would enjoy. I know. Doesn't that seem strange? Yeah. Um, I, I'm, uh, I used to be a lot braver, I think, than I am now about stuff like that. Like, yeah. now I haven't been on stage really since college. Uh-huh. And so the idea of it's like, oh, no, which, you know, is unfortunate with the writer's jam coming up. I'm it trying is. to wrap my head around <laughs> that. But, um, but, yeah, I did that, and I was trying to be grown up, and... Um, I started dating my now husband and, um, so you met him at college. Well, I knew him. I, I met him when I was in high school. He was friends with my sister. Okay. So, uh, one of um, those. yeah. Older or younger sister? Older. Okay. Oh, bad I, influence on I you. I know, right? right? <laughs> no, I was the bad influence on him. That's the worst part. <laughs> no, I mean your sister, your older sister oh, bringing around older men. Like yeah. dad couldn't have liked that too much. <laughs> No, she, he was, I mean, it got me out of the house, right? Yeah, I guess that's so true. it worked. So did you stay at Olivet the whole time, or did you transfer? No, I transferred because um, my husband got sent to Indianapolis for work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I followed along. Um, so you guys were married? Uh, Yeah, we got married. I was barely 20. Which, really? Um, yeah, looking back, it's like, what were you thinking? But, but it got you out of college. Totally. So and did you come down here and go to school? Yeah, I uh, I went to IUPUI. Okay. For a while. Like, like Heron? No. Not, no. Of course not. No. Because that would be. That would have been a smart decision right. for my personality so you, did type. Did you go yeah. to the business school? Where did you go? Oh, gosh. No. Um, What did I do once I got there? I think I was still, I did psychology for a while. That one stuck for longer than most. Uh, you um, know why? Because all of your art is about figuring out the moments of things happening. Yeah. Well, now that you say it again. I feel like you should have called me, like. Whenever you were in college, I'd be like, no, no, stay there. Stay there. This is going to be helpful. Oh, see, if only I'd known. What was your degree in? I don't have one. So you never finished. Oh, my gosh. I went to school for like seven years, and I still have nothing going for me. That's not totally shocking, because every time I ask you what you studied, you're like, I have no idea. So (laughs) I feel like either there was a tremendous amount of weed, or you just, (laughs) like, decided not to pay attention and just were, like, there. Yeah. I, I, it was the thing I was supposed to do, so I did it, Uh and... Obviously. But you were col- you were drawing while things were happening in the classroom. Yep. You get called on, and you're like, this. Yeah. Right? Like, Mickey Mouse. Like, whatever you're drawing, like, is that the answer? Exactly. Nope. Is this Fuck what it. you're looking for? Yeah. No. Then I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. I'll be then back I got in nothing for you. Uh, so when did you finally stop going to college? Oh, man. <laughs> like, see, I can't even keep track because it's just like, well, I've been in and out so much that, like, like a couple years ago. Really? Yeah, it's been that long. Like I'm, I'm 31 now, and it's like I'm still bouncing in and out of college. Not anymore. I'm definitely done at this point. Yeah, but we'll see. I don't think you're untrustworthy now. I, don't I know, know if right? It's like going to be true or not. You'll probably end up with a PhD. Oh like, gosh. Uh, so you don't get a degree in four different subjects. Yeah. Um, you leave school, and what do you decide to do? Um, <laughs> I took a bunch of weird jobs. Like it, it feels like every job I've ever wound up in. Um, has been like, it sort of falls into my lap and it's like, well, okay, I'll give that a shot. Like my first, my very first job in high school was writing obituaries. Uh-huh. And, um, that's like, always the first job at the newspaper. <laughs> it is. Is it? Yeah. It's an entry level job. Yeah. So I write, I wrote sports and obituaries when mm-hmm. I was, um, like 15, 16. It's like, what? Jesus. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what does that do to a kid? And I hate Makes sports. I preferred writing about the dead people. Right. Like that's how much I hate sports, but. Because yeah, you get to unravel who they were as a person. Yeah. I'm guessing that that's how you took that job, right? Like, I want to know who these people are. Oh, dang it. I feel like I need to be paying you for this <laughs> session. Is that, I mean. Yeah. That, it, 
Yeah. And I wanted to write. I knew that. Like, I I thought I could be a journalist because at that point, it wasn't a realistic thing for me to actually become, like, a writer-writer, like, yeah. novelist. Like, that was not... It just wasn't an option, you know. But obituaries but, are moments. Yeah. I mean, that's, right? That's the entirety of what you do is here's this moment and here's this moment. Just little snapshots of yeah, life. of what they... And m- death, yeah. And what they mean. Yeah. It's, they're very still. They are... It's why they're entry-level jobs because you have to be able to pinpoint the thing that illuminates a part of that person. That's right. really hard to do. Yeah, yeah. You're not summarizing their life. You're... Yeah. And... and <laughs> You know, I looking back now, it's occurring to me like, why on earth did they give me that job? You know, you're probably good at it. Well, at that age, though, you know, I don't know, just odd. But so a lot of my jobs have always been that, like, well, yeah, I could probably do that, or so much hubris, like, you know, somebody's looking for some sort of project to be done. Like uh, one time, um, uh, a local record label was looking for a designer for a 3D pop up. Um, album, and so it's like, I my husband told me about it, and he was like, "Have you thought about this?" I was like, I, I wrote an email really fast. I was like, "I could do this," and then you know, after I sent the email, it's like, "I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do anything <laughs> I've just yes. said. I am not capable of this." So I got you know a bunch of books on making pop up books and like <laughs> figured it out. So it's been a bunch of stuff like that along the way. That's um. So when I was in college. I always t- but people ask me how I became a writer. I'm like, well, um, what I didn't. I was in college and I stopped going to classes and I would get in my car and I would drive around the country and I would sleep in my car in truck stops and I would call newspaper and magazine editors in other cities and say, hey, I'm in town. I'm tr- you know, I'm a student. I'm thinking about becoming a journalist. Can we go to lunch? And I met people. This is 1990, 91. I was on the internet back then, emailing folks, but not a lot of people would email you back, so I just mm-hmm. call them. I'm like, that's what I did. So I that's have like a million absences in college. Oh my gosh. Um, I got my degree. Wow. I, Whoa, fin- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I finished. I wanted <laughs> out. Um, but it's you know, as I tell the when I tell people, I'm like, this will do you no fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like. Don't go to college. I mean, go, right. but don't go. And then yeah. drive around. Call people randomly. Mm-hmm. Keep a list. Write thank you notes. My Rolodex was really big when I was young because I had met people all over the country. Right. And I kept it. And then suddenly there was email, and so I could follow up with them by 95, 96. Yeah. Um, and then I did a bunch of stupid shit. Well, as and we like, do. Yeah. And that's like, to me, I was like, so then I had a Rolodex, and I did. I had life experience. Mm-hmm. And then you can be a writer. Exactly. That's <laughs> like, all you need. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's really not that hard. Um, and everybody goes about it differently. Right, yeah. So you never wanted to do nonfiction? No. Or well, is yours I mean, a representation? Yeah, no, see, no, and then not even, that no's not even out of your mouth. Yeah. Before you're like, no, fuck it, back up. Yeah, yeah. Because right. is, your, is your stuff a representation of life that you see? Uh, is it yeah. you working through nonfiction in a fictionalized environment? Yeah, it's um, kind of, I've always called it like lying to tell the truth, mm-hmm. you know. So it's that sort of, uh, it's it's definitely a fictional story, but I, I think there's truth to it. I hope there's truth to it. You know, you know Sarah Layden? Yeah. S- did she tell you about our conversation? No, no. Because I broke her down to the point huh. where I, because her whole story is about lying. And she, everything she told me the whole time was about sort of dealing with 
making up stories. Like her whole life, she's like, I've made up stories my whole life. And right. then she's written a novel about somebody who constructs a fiction around their life. And I'm like, I find that interesting that you've created a female main character who's done the thing that you've said. She's yep. like, oh, shit. She's like, I think I'm a liar. I'm like, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but that's, that's okay. what we do. Um, David Foster Wallace once said, I bring this up all the time because I'm always fascinated by people that do fiction because mm-hmm. I don't do it. Okay. Um, and he said the more you write, the more you realize that fiction and nonfiction are the same thing. Yeah, I, I can see how that would be true. Yeah, because nonfiction is just my representation of what I think happened, which mm-hmm. oftentimes we know is you're not. B- eyewitness accounts are the worst way to tell what happened because your brain sees what it wants to see. You yeah. see patterns, and so you don't see whole pictures. And so, even though you're calling it nonfiction, you're essentially writing as told to by my eyes. Right. <laughs> Have you ever um, read anything by? Uh, I am so afraid I'm about to get this name wrong. So. Uh, Hopefully that's not the case. Uh, Joe Sacco, um, he does uh, like journalistic comics. Uh-uh. It's amazing because a lot of it is grappling with that, like because he has this added layer of not only writing about these goings on, like in war zones and stuff, but um, illustrating too. So it's like there's that extra layer of something where he could, you know, screw it up and and uh, convey it incorrectly. So it's, but I think that. Um, the words and images together in that sense really make the stories that he's telling um, about being in war zones and about being in these areas which is full of strife. Um, like, it really lends itself to humanizing these stories, mm-hmm. and it, it's gorgeous. So check him out for sure, if I got the name right. No, so. Not. Um, so d- there's this debate in the memoir world um, as to whether uh, – oh, God, now it's Sedaris – Oh, yeah. So a lot of his stuff isn't true. I mean, he's very clear that he embellishes Mm -hmm. that. But he presents it as if these are the things that happen. Right. So this is like a big problem for people in the nonfiction world. Yeah. We have these discussions. But a person like David Foster Wallace would say, what's more important, capital T truth or little t truth? Right. Which one is more important to you? Jeez, it depends on the situation. Yeah. I mean... There are some things where I want to know the absolute truth, um, but other things. No, man, I got to back up again. I'm an asshole. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I want to know the truth as somebody sees it. Uh-huh. How's that? So the little T truth. Yeah, yeah. Like what? What is true to you? Um, like if it's something that's so far off the mark, then it's like, yeah, I'm gonna look into some of this mm-hmm. and try to figure out what's actually going on. Is but it my job as a writer to tell you that? Like when you couldn't, I mean, yours is fiction, so it's mm-hmm. you have a little more license. I get to lie all the time. Yeah, except for that, if there's a, do you you still have to take care of your characters, correct? In yeah. both the fictionalized sense, and if you're drawing from, for instance, if you took something from your husband and he recognized that, <laughs> and you portrayed it in a way that made him not look bad, but that it was, say, you made him a pedophile. Right. Ooh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That you have to take care of even the f- the non the real versions of the people that you're presenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ha- do you worry about any of that when you write, or do you just go with the characters and let them evolve? I really just go with them. Like sometimes, um, like I do name um, side characters after friends and stuff. You know, just like uh-huh. ha ha, look, you're in my book. And I'm afraid that like whatever character I've named after them, they're like 
Carrie, that character was a dick. What mm-hmm. are you doing? Do you think that about me? You know, nobody's done that yet. They're to they, your face. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Behind my back. They're like, <laughs> yeah, man, they're like, I hate what? that Carrie girl. Why is she doing that to <laughs> yes. me? Uh. We're not going over there. No, <laughs> never again. <laughs> but you don't worry about it. No, not too much. Not too much. Um, it is the thing that I stress about a lot the older that I get. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I'm so my the book I'm working on. I'm, there's two. Like I do memory stuff. So mm-hmm. there are lots of. I, I dated a, a lead singer in a band long many years ago, and, and we laughed that neither one of us were allowed to write. No okay. matter we made a pact at the beginning. No matter what happens, I don't appear in her songs. She doesn't appear in my stories. That's probably a pretty solid deal. Yeah, because yeah. we also like we realized very quickly that we shouldn't date because yeah. we both needed to be the center of attention. Oh. Yeah. Like lead singers and writers just shouldn't. Oh, absolutely not. That was a disaster. But it was that was the first time that I really made a decision not to include something in my life in what may be a story someday. Right. Like everything that circulates in my life, I tell people: if you don't want to appear in my writing, yeah, you should probably not be in my life. Which yeah. isn't totally fair. Yeah. Because like my parents didn't have a choice. Well, I mean, they could have not had me. Right. Do you? You don't. But you don't worry about. Pulling those kinds of things. Um, gosh. Well, again, see, you start explaining things more, and it's like, oh, okay, no, I can see that. Um, I don't actively worry about it. Um, yeah. But there have been moments where, um, like, my mom saw uh, the way the mom was represented in the comic. This and is what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but it wasn't her. Right, no, but no. But it was the mom. Yeah, it was the mom, <laughs> and it had, like, the Midwestern mom haircut, which yeah. my mom had for years. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Permy thingy. It's something that Elmany. I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't even begin to understand it, but, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> and she was kind of like, ah, you know, flipping out about stuff, and so my mom automatically assumes that it was her. It's like, oh, well, that says more about you than, you know, Is that how the you see yourself. You um, I don't remember. I think I'm I mostly no. I think I mostly <laughs> just said probably probably knowing me, I would have just said no. It's not. Don't be dumb. You know yeah. something. You know just cut it short. Right. Yeah. But Which only made her think that it yeah, was. It's, it's yeah. totally you. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you want to talk about it? It hit <laughs> me. You're afraid that the lie is gonna break down. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening outside of Renzi. Like they all think you're writing about them. Oh, no. Well, now I'm going to worry about it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, thanks. That's good, but it's better to be aware of it than this is the nonfiction in me. Like, you you have to exist in reality. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Ah, oh, uh, another thing to worry about. It's, um, yeah, so I gravitated to nonfiction. I'm an addict. I'm a recovering addict. And so my whole life was built around lies, falsehoods, mm-hmm. like constructing those kinds of realities that addicts do. Right. And, but, and so nonfiction was an anchor for me. Like, oh. it's the thing that I... I've told people as I've given talks about this over the years, it was the one thing that I never betrayed. Everything else in my life was betrayed at some point, but the nonfiction, the writing, the truth, the search for reality wasn't. So I'm always, when people gravitate towards fiction, I'm Mm -hmm. always fascinated by what it is that makes you want to make up stories. Like, what is it about that that draws you to it as opposed to, because you said you, I didn't, didn't really want to do nonfiction, like you yeah. knew that. Yeah. So why did you know fiction? Like, what is it about it that you love, or that you find yourself immersed in? Man, it's uh, there are just so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like, and even now with the story I'm working on now, like there are no fantastical elements. Like there's nothing, you know, um, otherworldly happening, but at the same time, there are infinite possibilities just within this world, you know? Um, and I think it's amazing to be able to explore that from, you know, the comfort of my own little hermitage. I don't have to go live it. Mm-hmm. I can just make it up. Mm-hmm. And ex- do you, my, I was talking to my dad this the other day about reading. Um, you know, you, when you when you read, you travel, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. you get to experience all the people that you never get to experience in real life. Right. Is that how you feel about your story? <sighs> that it's traveling? Yeah. Like you're getting to know these people and like, is that a transformative experience for you as you do it? Yeah. Um, it's, I always know when I'm definitely onto a thread that I want to pull mm-hmm. because I start pacing and I don't even realize that I'm doing it. It's just like, like pacing back and forth. Yeah, like, like wandering around the house, like just like <laughs> like a I crazy just, person. Yes, and yeah. it's ridiculous. And my hands move like I do this. Like I, I have caught myself doing it a couple times, and it's like, how often do I actually do this? That I have like these crazy manic hand motions, and I'm just wandering around talking to myself and the dogs. Uh-huh. Like it's it, it's ridiculous. And then you just have to sit down and get it out. Yeah, yeah. So there's that pacing time, and then there's the realizing I'm crazy time, and then there's the getting it all out on the page time. And it is. So. Is there a trigger? Like, do you, is there, have you thought about, like, what is it that makes you have to write? Oh, I, like, the storyline or just writing in general? I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> writing in general, I, uh, I do not express myself well at all. Like, I feel like when I talk to people. Um, You're doing great. Am I? Yeah. I'm sitting here this thinking. This is fucking fascinating. Oh, man, because my palms are sweating. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, this is great. Oh, well. Yeah. Hey. Confidence. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I feel like when I talk to people, though, that I don't I don't express myself well. And, like, I think of a million different things that I could say, but it always ends up being the wrong thing. <laughs> so uh-huh. I, I go through that. But when I'm writing, I can you know, edit it and I can, mm-hmm. I can have it down on the page and see like, Oh no, I don't think that's exactly right. I can switch this, you know, word it a little bit differently. I can actually express myself. Um, whereas when I'm just talking to somebody, it's like, uh, I like dogs. Do you like dogs? You mm-hmm. know, it's not good. <laughs> Th- that's actually a famous line from the movie snatch. What is you like dogs? You like dogs? Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. You said that I'm like, Oh, it's a very, <laughs> Thought you were being funny and oh, <laughs> referencing <no>. Snatch. <laughs> I wasn't being funny. So do you think that – so Angela Jackson Brown, who I interviewed, who, who just wrote a book called Drinking from a Bitter Cup, and she said that part of the and reason – It's a great title. It's a, gra- it's a oh horrific gosh. book. It's amazing and beautiful and horrific. It's oh. just about, like, this young girl overcoming and dealing with just terrible things. Oh. But it's so good, and it's, it's lyrical. It's just beautifully written, but it is based on, not based on her life, but she, you know, it, she is pulling experiences from that. And one of the things mm-hmm. she said was, I gravitate to fiction because I get to make my life and deal with those things in the way that I would have. I get to edit them in the way that they should have been. Yes. Yes. And so when I hear you saying like, oh, I get to express myself how I want to, is right. that a thing that you go through? Like, Yeah, definitely. Um, I... Like, there are definitely elements of my life in this story, um, and it's interesting to wrestle with these things, um, like, through somebody else, S- somebody who's not me, and 
and editing it. Do you find, are you able to go to, and I don't know your life story and we don't have to go into it, but the parts that are darker, mm-hmm. do you find yourself giving that character a way out or do you make them go deeper into oh it? Oh my gosh, I make them suffer through. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm a What an interesting psychological. <laughs> I'm telling you, psychology sounds like a big part of what you're doing here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you make the person suffer, but not in a way that you did, just to go through the motions of what if? Yeah, like how how do you really just dive in and deal with this thing? Uh-huh. And sometimes they're not prepared to. Like I feel like a lot of what we're dealing with now um, in where we are with the story is these two characters are faced with huge issues and they have no idea how to deal with them. So <laughs> we're still at that, like, just right before the edge of the cliff, you know, mm-hmm. before they just have to dive in and deal with it because there's no other option. Yeah, as there so. never is. Yeah, exactly. Right? You always talk around shit that you're like, well, fu- we just got to fucking do yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. So We're so tired of talking about this. We just have it to just has to happen. Like, yeah, whatever, whatever it is. That is a sign of a certain age when you're just like, oh, yeah. I don't have that 23-year-old. Like, we have to work this out. Like, yeah. Fuck it, we don't. There's not an answer. Like, no. Let's take an action. It's going to be horrible. See. You're going to deal with it. <laughs> Yeah, it's my stuff is um the writing that I do is very raw. Like I'm not a great writer. I'm a good storyteller. Um I don't have that lyrical quality like it is my writing is like the brutalist 70s, you know, brick like that 70s um, Which is awesome. It kind of, but it's not there's nothing pretty about it. Like you don't get right. done and are like, "Oh, I feel like life's good." Like yeah, you're like, yeah. "Fuck, I got I hate everything." Yeah. Like yeah. it's terrible even the people that get out like I mean, I'm an addict. Like I had a call the other day on Sunday morning. I woke up to a call that somebody that I'd known for a long time had overdosed on heroin and died and left oh, two kids, geez. right? Like that was my Sunday at 7 o'clock in the morning. Oh. So even when I'm happy, right. I'm like <sighs> at any moment that shoe's going to drop? Yeah. Yeah. The problem with being an addict and having friends that are addicts is that many of them die. Yeah. Outside of the fact that we all die. Many of them will die prematurely. Yeah. And so that writing style really reflects that for me. Like, I don't know how to um, – I can't make things get dark because I, I have to see light even in that shittiness mm-hmm. or else I'd be fucking using. Right. And so when I read a thing like the wa- – I, wa- I have all the Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Like the, the books. Uh-huh. I don't want the fucking TV show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's amazing because the guy in the very beginning of the book says, look, this is not a story. What mm-hmm. I'm going to do is take this sheriff through the worst shit imaginable. Yep. And he tells you at the beginning, don't get attached to any character because none of them mean anything. Yeah. I just want to see. So I see people watching the show and they're like, I can't believe they killed him. I'm like, if you read the introduction to yeah. the novel, graphic novel, he tells you, I'm going to. And then I'm going to kill that guy, too. So just so you know. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> it's all going to end horribly. Just deal with it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm always amazed. But it is, I have a hard time with that. Like, I can't watch the show in part because there is no hope in it. Right. Like, I need hope. So you need some kind of sense of even potential redemption in a story. Yeah, even okay. if that ends with death. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, Walking Dead, is he's very clear. Like, it's not. Yeah. In fact, the worst people in this are the people. <laughs> right, like exactly. The, the zombies are irrelevant to the yep. story of The Walking Dead. Yeah, um, the, the governor is going to kill that child. Oh my gosh! Um, but your your story. So when you are delving into depth and <clears throat> sort of looking at psychological stuff or whatever, being a mean god in your story, mm-hmm. are you looking for that ray of hope, or are you really ha- hammering to see 
what breaks your characters? Um, I a little bit of both. Can it be both? <laughs> sure. Like this I, is not a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> it's C. All of the above. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> so I I definitely um I definitely you know beat the shit out of them. That, that's just gonna happen. Um, but I also I think that there is something to be said for um their perseverance and like there's still hope in relating with one another and there's still hope in trying even if you know there's nothing to try for it's i <sighs> let her see all of the above <laughs> <laughs> which part do you find yourself the most because there's one side or the other that you are like oh i'm really looking forward to writing this mm-hmm. is it the the beating them on the head or the taking your foot off of them for a little bit sex scenes it's all about that's the sex like. scenes so you've, <laughs> so you've done the 50 shades of graphic novel oh absolutely yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no i uh i really look forward to giving them a break like i i i think that that's something that i mean it's a relief for me like mm-hmm. it's it's a relief for them in the story but it's also a relief for me like Oh. Is it hard when you're writing? Do you get emotionally caught up with the yeah? Like I, I your have, friends on the page. I, my husband's come home from work before, and I, I'm just you know a mess, and I'm like Richard, I'm horrible. I'm the worst person in the world. You won't believe what I did today, and he's thinking I've done something horrible right. in real life, and I'm like no, in this story, and it's just very dramatic. And at that point, he just stops listening because <laughs> it's the best thing he can do. Right. <laughs> we have a thing at my house where my wife will. I ask her when she starts to tell a story, is this a thing I need to listen to? Or is this a thing that, like, you just need to tell me? Because they're different. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And it took me a long time to realize that. You just got to tell me, I'm going to watch the X-Files. <laughs> and you just tell me when I need to go, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, she sounds terrible. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. Yeah. yeah. I love you, baby. <laughs> you were best. totally right. Yeah. Uh, let me go get you a cup of tea. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she loves tea. So... What's interesting about your, what's the name of it? Regarding Dandelions. Regarding Dandelions. Is that, when we talked just briefly about this, is that you distribute it for free. Mm-hmm. Why do you do that? Because I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, no, I uh, I really want to, I don't know, I, I really want to get this out to as many people as possible. Um, and, like, right now, that's my best option. You know, nobody knows me. Nobody knows who I am. Um, because you just started doing this. Like, yeah. after you left your seven-year college career, <laughs> you yeah. just started. Had you been working on this then? No. Um. I Yes. I. Dang it. Why do I keep doing that? I don't know, but this is a, also a theme. <laughs> um, I had been, not in the form that it is now, mm-hmm. but I had been working on it. Um, it was actually originally uh, supposed to be a novel. Um, but part of when I work on a story... Um, even when I was just doing prose, um, like I would draw scenes from the story. So I, like if I was having trouble visualizing something, I would draw it out and be like, Oh, okay. Well now I can Mm -hmm. describe this, this, this. Um, and then I was doing that for this particular story and it just kept going. It's like, Oh, I kind of like this. I I could do this. Um, and just sort of turn into a graphic novel. And now are you doing it? It's not digital. It's, how are you doing it? Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's hand-drawn um, because I am so dumb with technology. <laughs> it, it's the the fact that I am writing a webcomic, which, you know, just screams technology. It's like I 
I, I, I'm an idiot when it comes to these things. Um, so I don't, I can't do any of the painting stuff in Photoshop. Like I can do the very basics in Photoshop to get it to look like a comic. Like in the beginning, the, the very first issue, um, I had not even figured out how to put in speech bubbles yet. So, I mean, you definitely see a learning process <laughs> when you're looking at this comic, um, just figuring out what to do. But it's still totally hand-drawn because... Um, and then, it, but you said it's a web comic, but it's hand-drawn. So, like, you're using yeah. Illustrator? Like, wh- how are you... What do you mean? Uh, draw it out um, on a page with a pen, um, scan it in, and... Put it on. So it is not a webcomic other than it is up on, on the, the web. web. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a hand-drawn scan comic. And can people get hard copies of it? Um, there are physical copies of the first two issues, um, but it's something that I can't really afford to maintain, you know, mm-hmm. since I'm not getting paid for it. Um, so, But there are, like, you can go to Books and Brews, um, Hero House Comics in uh, uh, Fountain Square. Um, and I think... I think that might be it. Um, Are you going to try to get a publisher? I, well, I'm i not going to try to get a publisher. Or um, probably not. I, I I am so bad at the business side of this. Uh-huh. I, I'm well, totally... Well, definitely don't get somebody that understands the business side. Uh, sh- <laughs> yeah. That, that is a good plan. <laughs> that is spoken like a true See, writer. See, that's how bad I am. <laughs> that is exactly like a writer. Like, no, I don't know that, so I'm going to... It's like the dentist. Like, fuck it, my teeth are fine. Yeah, no. Like, there's no cavity. I'll just <laughs> eat on the left side of my mouth for the rest of my life. Because that's how I like it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> only stupid people use their right side. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's totally it. Like, I... <laughs> I know what I I know that I know absolutely nothing, but the problem is that doesn't lead to me finding solutions. It's uh-huh. just like, meh, I'm gonna wallow for a while. I really do feel like you should have stayed in the psychology department. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there is a block in there of some kind <laughs> that would have been really good to punch through. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> does your husband want you to get an agent? Um Does he want you to pursue it? Oh, he definitely does. Like he so he doesn't have to hear you when you come home, like, know what I did? Like, get an agent. Tell yeah, your agent. go, go. Yeah, yeah I am not the person for this. That is crazy shit that you're talking <laughs> about. They're not real. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah he, he kind of, um, he's so laid back about this. Like, he is just like, he will help me however he can. Um, but he also is kind of just letting me make my own mistakes because he knows that I'm really stubborn. And it's like, no. And you're a grown-up. You don't really need somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, kind of a grown-up. I'm yeah. a pretend grown-up. Yeah. Once, you cr- once you can rent a car, you're a grown-up. 25. That's the – Boom. That's my rule. Our, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I tell my students I won't – like, I don't – because I maintain contact with many of them. I won't take them out to dinner until they're 25. I'm like, up until that point, you're still a child. But that's the last thing in America that you can't do. Is rent a car. That makes perfect sense. So now you're a full citizen. You're a real life grown up <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now your stupid problems are just stupid. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So you, you got no plans to get an agent. You have no plans to pursue this other than what you do. I no, I do. I I do have a couple things in mind, but mm-hmm. they are so um, poorly formed at this point. It's not even worth mentioning. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm. I am. Oh, did I mention I'm stubborn? I'm, I'm stubborn and I'm dumb. <laughs> so I've got these two things working against me. Uh-huh. And it's like. But it's I, your plan. Y- yeah. Yeah. It's a terrible plan. Yeah. And there's no form to it whatsoever. But it's mine. So was drinking a lot and driving around the country and meeting people. Hey. 
You, you got to do what you got to do. Right. <laughs> yeah. I did not tell my students, if you skip my class, I'm going to fail you. But I failed classes. Like that's, right. Yeah. That's a consequence to my plan. I just didn't give a shit. Yeah. You can't both not give a shit and then yell at me because I've done a thing. Exactly. Right? Like yeah. You get one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no in between. Yeah. And when you're 25, that'll make more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, thanks for chatting with me today. This oh, is great. Thank you. Um, tell me, that wh- where, what's your website? CarrieMcElroy.com. Uh, and then the name of the. Regarding Dandelions. And they can just Google that because that comes up. Yes. And Carrie McElroy is K A R I M C E L R O Y. I'm going to have that linked on the site. Oh, here. I just didn't even need to do that. No, that's okay. <laughs> it's always good because that'll ring lyrically. It'll be the last thing they remember. Oh, totally meant it that way. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So that was it. That was our interview with Carrie. She is as wonderful in real life as she sounds on this podcast. And I'm not going to belabor this ending very much because you have lots to catch up on as we put this out. Thank you for listening to the Downtown Writers Jam podcast. Make sure you go to www.thegeekypress.com where you can hear all the podcasts that we have. You can find out about all the readings that we put on. We have monthly, quarterly, and yearly events that we do. We put out books, including Bad Jobs and Bullshit, which is our first anthology. We collected stories, fiction, nonfiction, and poetry from around the world about bad jobs and bullshit. And you can buy it now. I look forward to talking to you all on the next podcast. Have a great day. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.